0: Holding your mobile phone six inches from your face with that light going directly into your eye because your eye has two sensors in it which cross over at the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is looking for light. And if it gets light, it wants to be awake and it's going to stimulate the hypothalamus and tell it, We need to be awake. So suppress all the sleep hormones. So it suppresses all the sleep hormones. And then what happens is you will wake up or you won't go to sleep or you lie there still looking at your phone, wondering why you're not sleeping. You're exposed
1: to so much. You just heard from Roger Sutherland and this is the Euphoria Health Podcast. Hey there friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sapala. For anyone that is tuning in for the first time, firstly welcome and thank you so much for jumping on board. Secondly, a little bit of background about myself, I'm a qualified personal trainer and the owner and founder of Euphoria Health and Active Living. Euphoria Health originated from the word euphoria, which is defined as a state of intense happiness or excitement. And that's exactly what I aim to do. I aim to cultivate happiness through movement. I'm so passionate about holistic health and all of its pillars, including nutrition, movement, recovery and mindfulness. I strive to help educate and inspire you guys to think about ways that we can create longevity with movement, not just a one and done approach. Let's work together and focus on building healthy foundations, setting a new benchmark for our health. I live my life by this philosophy. I don't wanna be your quick fix. I want to be your only fix. And through this platform, I aim to educate and empower you guys to find your only fix. This week on the show, I'm so humbled to bring to you the night shift guru, Roger Sutherland. With decades of experience working shift work in the law enforcement realm, Roger noticed a huge gap in the market from an education point of view, in particular on how to prepare and recover from working night shift. The fact of the matter is that our current world cannot function without shift workers. From nurses, doctors, service station attendants, transport, the list goes on. So it's not a matter of just avoiding it, it's how can we best manage our shift workers to mitigate some of the effects. There is a plethora of research out there highlighting just how impactful shift work, especially night shift, can be on our body. From impaired daily functions to a decreased life expectancy, there is no hiding the fact that this is harmful. Lucky for shift workers out there, Roger has dedicated his time to helping shift workers mitigate the effects through holistic health practices. It's important to note that everyone responds differently when their circadian rhythm is disrupted, so working one-on-one with your healthcare professional is highly advised. This one was almost 90 minutes long and it's jam-packed with information which I'm sure you'll find useful. That's all from me, folks. Grab yourself a pen and paper because you're going to need it for this one. I'll catch you on the other side. Roger Sutherland, welcome to the Euphoria Health podcast, mate.
0: Thank you very much for having me, Matt. I've been looking
1: forward to this one, and thank you for inviting me. You are a wealth of knowledge. You are a ball of energy. We've got Buddy floating around in the room, so if you hear barking or footsteps or anything, that's just, <laughs> it's just Buddy going around, so don't stress too much about that. Now, Roger, Roger, before we dive into the nitty-gritty of everything today, I'd like to start off with my podcast, talking about the most down-to-earth thing about you, just to paint the picture about who you are.
0: Um, If there's one thing that I absolutely love to do is I love to be able to help people. And I think that's probably been something that has occurred in my whole life from the time I was very, very young right the way through to now. So even now, I am very much in the zone of still helping people. So as I'm transitioning from one job into my business, A Healthy Shift now, so what I'm actually doing is I'm still helping people. And unfortunately, it comes at a cost because I am continually responding to DMs and answering people and giving away free information in relation to that. And um, I can't help myself because I just want to help people.
1: I love it. It's, um, it's evident by your nature and, and your demeanor and everything that you are doing with a healthy shift and I can't wait to dive into that a little bit later on. Now talk to us, Thomas, tell, tell the listeners at home the background and how you became the night shift guru. Okay. I'm um,
0: I, I had always wanted to work in law enforcement and at the age of 20 I commenced my career in um, law enforcement here in Victoria. Um, And I've now been uh, working that job for what is now 38 years. So there's no secret there. I started at 20 and I've been doing it for 38 years. So I'm 58 years of age. Um, I have two children. Um, My daughter is also working in law enforcement and she's 27. She gets married in November. So I get to walk her down the aisle. And I've got a son who is 30 and he is a fire dispatcher. So he dispatches uh, fire units to jobs in Victoria. My partner, Melissa, is also, um, or is a police dispatcher. So she um, has the fortunate role of being able to tell cops where to go legally. So she gets to do that. Um, And my future son-in-law is also in law enforcement in Victoria as well. So I'm surrounded by shift work all the way through, like everywhere has got shift work in it. And going back about uh, when I was at around about 34, 35 years... I was really suffering with my health and I was suffering from what they call sacroiliitis, which is inflammation through the uh, SIJ joint. And I researched that I needed to, um, you know, I, I was crippled with it and I researched that I needed to get on top of my nutrition and get on top because night shift impacts greatly on inflammation and it is a severe inflammation. And I started, getting on top of my nutrition in relation to that. And I developed a real passion for that. Um, I then went and did a a Mark Carroll challenge, a 12-week Mark Carroll challenge. I started training and I started feeling good and I did a Mark Carroll, uh, um, the Gen Pop guide. I was his pin-up boy for the Gen Pop. Um, Did that 12 weeks. And then I went into a 12-week reverse diet. And the science around that fascinated me so much. And what I then did was I then thought, I wanted to be able to help shift workers because I was looking at colleagues and looking at people around my work environment. And what I was seeing was people are putting on weight in a big way. They're putting on weight and their health is really suffering. And their health and well being was in such a bad way that I thought there's gotta be strategies around this. And to cut a long story short, um, I was actually invited into the gold standard Mac um, Nutrition Uni. Um, I spoke to the director and told him what I wanted to do. And his answer to that was, um, best solution is don't do shift work. And, you know, we need shift workers, Matt. We've got to have shift workers because... It doesn't matter what you do, and we'll talk about this later, but it doesn't matter where you go or how you go, you've got to have a shift worker. You must, because shift workers are driving us to the airport, they're checking us in, they're flying airplanes, they're um, you know, they're the police, the fire, the ambulance, the nurses, the doctors. There's so many people that we forget that are shift workers as well. And there's little help for any shift workers, and anybody that is in a shift working environment will tell you that, There is no education for shift workers as to what to eat, when to eat, and we're going to cover a range of topics around that today, as well as meal timing and how important a lot of those things are. Um, So when I certified, I then decided that I would start my business, A Healthy Shift, and it's got a dual meaning. One of them is around shift work, because I really wanted to be guiding shift workers, and I've become internationally recognised around the person to go to around Um, shift work now because of my experience. I am still a shift worker. So I come from a position of knowing exactly what it's like to do shift work and what it feels like. And I also now have the evidence-based strategies because I'm a certified MNU nutritionist now, which is evidence-based, not bro science, gym bro science. I can (laughs) dispel the myths. Um, And I can now help people with evidence-based strategies around um, shift work and nutrition. So I'm liaising with world leaders in this research at the moment to actually be able to spread the good word around shift work, nutrition, timing, health and well-being, mental health. I've got my five pillars, which we'll talk about later as well, but um, I've got pillars of health. There's just little things that shift workers can do to really help that makes a massive difference. Instead of just surviving shift work, I teach people how to thrive
1: I love that, Roger. And you touched on it before, holistic health. Briefly, you touched on it before. Holistic health is not just nutrition or exercise. There's so many different pillars to this. And those five pillars that you have, I've got something very similar, four pillars in the name Euphoria, and that's movement, nutrition, recovery, mindfulness.
0: And I love that you use movement, not exercise. That's so important for people. Definitely. Because I did a podcast on this myself. When we think of exercise we actually think, oh my God, I've got to put my gym gear on. I've got to pack my gym bag. I've got to drive to the gym. I've got to go and do a a training session or I've got to work out. I'm going to sweat. It's going to hurt. It's going to be awful. Then I've got to unpack my gym bag, go home, shower, um, and then that's it. And it's taken two hours out of my day. And to people, psychologically, that's very daunting. And I think if we use the term movement, any movement is good. That's all we want to do is keep people moving, don't we?
1: 100% I live by that philosophy, mate. Yeah. My next question was around um, what are examples of shift workers, but I think you touched on it before. Like we can't operate as a society without shift workers. You know, we've got all those emergency first responders. We've got people that are doing roadworks for us that also do shift work. Like there is a shift worker <laughs> everywhere, right? So it would be almost a disservice or a disjustice for us not to provide this information out to those people in the community.
0: That is 100% correct. We underestimate what shift workers are. Train drivers, I've got clients that are train drivers, they start at 3am in the morning. Now you imagine an alarm going off at 2am to get up and go to work and start work at 3am so that you can catch your 5am train as a tradie to get into work, to be on site by 6 you know, we forget about that. We forget about Uber drivers driving overnight. Even now, the demands of today, private industry, we demand that things are available. Service stations, fast food outlets that are all running 24-7. The 7-Elevens, you know, service stations, we've got all sorts of things that are running. Not to mention our, the ones that come to mind straight away, which is our nurses, Um, Bless our nurses who were brutalized. And, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic now, too. So it's been incredibly difficult. And they are still feeling the effects of that really badly. We've got doctors, we've got um, and, you know, it's funny, Matt, because I had someone reach out to me yesterday in an industry that I had not even thought of which are track workers that are exercising horses that are setting alarms at 3 a.m. in the morning to get up and go and exercise horses and getting home and they're exhausted. And It was a, it was just a brain explosion of, oh my God, I forgot them. You know, we forget dot workers. We forget all of this is happening. Like, you know, when you order from Amazon, how do you think that happens? Like, it turns up the next day. Do you think what people sleep and then get up and deliver it? Like, that's, that's a process that's going 24-7. So... Um, And we all, you know, we all love our Amazon, but anyway. um, But the thing is, we we underestimate just how many shift workers there are. And in evidence, in science, science deems shift work, anything that starts basically before the normal hours of 8am and 5pm. So anything that starts or finishes outside of that is generally deemed shift work. Now, you could say, oh, but I start at 7 and finish at 6. Yeah, well, technically you're a shift worker, but you know as well as I do, that's not entirely what we're talking about here we're talking about people that are i think when we think of shift work we tend to think of people who are working overnight yeah in a big way like people are working overnight and it's right to think of those people first up because that's what is so brutal on the system um and we'll talk about you know what's not but the things that are really brutal are the night shift workers and a lot of the industry that we're talking about here are people that are breaking that circadian rhythm and they are Um, working night shift which is so severely detrimental to health
1: yeah i am so much to unpack in what you just said i think a really good place to start for people at home would be explaining why night shift does disrupt the system so much and we relate this back to our biological clock the circadian rhythm i'm going to leave that up to you to explain a little bit more about what that is and why why it gets disrupted so much on night shift
0: all right here we go. Let's go as simply as we possibly can in relation to this so that people totally understand it. We have a biological clock, which is controlled by our suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is in our brain. Now, this this controls everything. It, it, it communicates with what is known as our hypothalamus, which controls all hormones in our body. Now, our circadian rhythm runs around about just over 24, about 24 hours and 11 minutes every single day, right? And what happens is it responds to what we call zeitgebers, which are stimuli, which are external stimulators. And that is obviously the first one is going to be light. So the biological day and the biological night. The second one that it responds to is it responds to uh, food timing and it also responds to movement. So, if you imagine that a regular nine to fiver that has breakfast, lunch, and dinner gets up with the daylight and goes to bed with the darkness and moves during the day and sleeps at night, all of those clocks in their body are all in sync. So, if you imagine this hypothalamus and, or the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is, I would call it like the conductor of the orchestra, so it's a conductor. And it's got its piece of music and it's conducting the music as the music's going. But we've got clocks in every single cell in our body. Every single cell has its own uh, circadian clock. If you imagine all of those cells are all playing their own piece of music, which is nothing in sync, they've all picked their own piece of music to play or are all playing it, that's welcome to night shift. Because... (laughs) That is literally what it is like to our poor old body. So whereas you are a day person, so what happens with you is you wake up with your alarm first thing, even when you wake up at 5am to go and do your 6am class or whatever, that's still in your rhythm because you normally wake up at that time. Then you have your breakfast and then you go and you're getting movement. So you've got light, you've got food, you've got movement. So that's triggering your circadian rhythm. And then you have lunch at lunchtime. So your body anticipates that and expects that. And then it gets it. And then it gets to dinner time and you start to get hungry because that's your body going, uh, we're anticipating food here and you have food and then it starts to get dark. So you get a melatonin release and it puts you to sleep. So bang, off you go to sleep and everything's all playing in sync with you. But on shift work, nothing's in sync and it's all completely out of whack because you're getting light when you shouldn't be getting light. You're getting movement, which is in direct opposite to when your body's anticipating it. You're putting food into your system, which is in direct opposite to when your body's anticipating it. So nothing is in sync at all and it's causing all sorts of grief to your body in itself and it stresses the body. So certain functions are still going in line with that circadian rhythm. If I was to put you into a tube, a dark tube, and just drag you into a tube, seal it off, your body still goes in a 24-hour sink. Even though it's dark, not moving, no food going into it, your body still runs in a 24-hour clock regardless. So if you imagine what it must be like to a body when you are giving it light stimuli overnight and you're feeding it overnight and you're moving overnight, the body gets very confused. If we go back to that tube scenario, your body is still going through its hot-cold cycle. It still goes through its insulin resistance cycle. Its digestive tract still shuts down and starts again. Hormonally, you get sleep-release hormones. You get weight-release hormones. There's a whole heap of biological functions that happen regardless as to whether you are vertical or in the darkness, whatever. This is where shift workers have a real problem with what they're actually doing by self-destructing themselves. And we'll talk about that as we dive in. But that's our circadian rhythm. The answer is always, always stay in line with your circadian rhythm. No matter what it is, always stay in line with your circadian rhythm.
1: It's wild to see how much goes into our bodies doing its thing without us even knowing, right?
0: It's an incredible, incredible machine. There is no doubt about it. We can shift it. We can shift our circadian clock. If you think of if you jump on a plane and you go to Bali, you, well, you're going to shift your clock by three hours. And, and it functions, doesn't it? You know, a couple of days you might feel a bit out of, just a little out of whack. Like you might wake up early or you, you know, you, you wake up late or something's not right. That's your body adjusting. But it does eventually adjust because you are putting food, light, movement all in at that time. So your body is so clever, it responds to that Right. So when you go to Europe and you're over in Europe, generally, when you go over to Europe, you know, you suffer a little bit, but then your body starts to get used to by those um, Zitgebers, those stimuli that we're putting into our body. So you can adjust it. But the problem with shift workers is there's no stability in their shifts. It's day shift and then it's afternoon shift and then it's night shift and then it's night shift and then it's a quick changeover into a day shift and then it's a day off and the poor body has no idea what it
1: wants. So if someone was just doing straight night shifts, for example, night shifts every day and then had a couple of days off and stuck to that circadian rhythm that they have developed over a period of time, um, would they be, I guess, quote-unquote, feeling better than someone that was doing their chop and changing with the shifts?
0: Yeah, they would, depending on what they're doing in their days off. Because you wouldn't want to be waking up and going outside. You've got to remember that even as we look out the window today, it's overcast. But the blue light that we're seeing outside there now is about four times brighter than even the iPad that you're looking at there. So we talk about blue light, but our body is responding to that blue light. So if you stayed on a permanent night shift and you're on a, let's just say you did five nights a night shift, then had two days off, five nights a night shift, two days off. On those two days off, you'd almost need to simulate the environment all the time to stay in that night mode. Otherwise, you're going to confuse your circadian rhythm all the time.
1: Right. So the body craves consistency and adapts to consistency, doesn't it? Absolutely,
0: it, it does. Yep. Yeah. And, and as he's shown when we travel with time shifting.
1: Yeah. Incredible. That's, that's wild. I think from a light exposure point, you just mentioned it before, does the screens that we're looking at all day and all night impact our circadian rhythm and our ability to fall asleep? You said that the light outside is much stronger, the blue light, but is there... Um, evidence to say that the screens that we're watching late at night is impairing our sleep as well? Massively. Um,
0: yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Let's just have a look at that very simply. And I want to I make this clear to people as well. Not all blue light is bad. Blue light is really important for sleep. Wait, Rog, what are you talking about here, right? Because all we hear is blue light's bad, blue light's bad, don't we? All blue light is not bad. Now you might say, oh, do I have to find the right spectrum? No, 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 no. It goes like this. To stay in line with your circadian clock, you need early blue light exposure. If you are a person that is struggling from sleep at night, like you say you're a non-shift worker and you're a regular everyday nine-to-fiver and you are struggling with sleep at night, the best possible thing that you can do is when you wake up in the morning, rip your blinds open, go and make your coffee and go and sit outside with your coffee and get that blue light exposure only for five minutes or 10 minutes. But Rog, it's raining sit under the deck because the light outside is still four times brighter than actually looking at a phone right so that happens get that early blue light exposure because you are then telling your circadian rhythm up ah, it's daytime shut down all the sleep processes let's get going with the day and we want that blue light now one of the biggest problems that people have these days as well in a big way is what they do is they wear these blue light blocking glasses during the day, in the morning, like they've got blue light lenses on their computer glasses. And they think, oh, that makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. It's actually impacting on your sleep at night because it's suppressing that sleep during the day. So what you want is you need that blue light exposure during the day. But what you want to do is use your glasses with the blue light blocking lenses on them in the afternoon and then go to full blue light blocking glasses in the evening And then you'll go to sleep and you will sleep like a baby. Our body, our circadian rhythm, as we discussed, it responds to light. So what we want to do is we want to get solid blue light in in the morning. And then what we want to do is we want to then start shutting that blue light down, which is severely detrimental to us. We want to shut that blue light down during the day, later in the day, to the stage where we're getting no blue light towards the end of the day. And then we sleep. Now, where there is evidence around now is, and there's more and more evidence is coming to light now, is around where we lie in bed looking at our phones. And our phone, albeit that we put a blue light filter on our phone, because, you know, the Androids and the Apple phones have got the blue light filters. But as we're looking at that, I want you to think of this. We have two eyes that this phone is being held about six inches from our face with light going straight into our eyes, we only get one go at melatonin a day. That's it, that's all we get. Our body only gives us melatonin production once during the day, that's all we get. If you miss that, you won't sleep properly. You might think, oh no, I can sleep. You will, but you won't get the quality sleep and the recovery sleep that you need, which is where we build muscle or we build strength and our body recovers from. So what we wanna do is we want to block that blue light before we go to sleep so that we do sleep and get that quality sleep. So blue light blocking glasses, or here's an idea, put your phone in the kitchen and go to bed about an hour before and read a book in a low light and go to sleep. Because the other thing that our phone causes us a problem with or our mobile causes us a problem with is it adds stress. We talk about mindfulness.
1: Stimulation, yeah.
0: It's a stimulation because all of a sudden... Here you are looking at skinny fit bows. You're looking at bodies that you wish you had that you don't have. You're looking at-
1: Reading a stressful work email. Reading
0: stressful work emails. You're doing all sorts of things. And it just adds to the stress and doesn't shut you down. And I'm sure because of the way you go about what you're doing with your pillars, you know, gratitude, practicing gratitude and mindfulness and sleep. Be grateful for what happened to you during the day. And empty your mind from that helps you to go to sleep at night. But that's another one. That's stress, right? We can talk about that later. But um, holding your mobile phone six inches from your face with that light going directly into your eye, because your eye has two sensors in it, which cross over at the supracosmetic nucleus, which is looking for light. And if it gets light, it wants to be awake. And it's going to stimulate the hypothalamus and tell it, we need to be awake so suppress all the sleep hormones. So it suppresses all the sleep hormones. And then what happens is you will wake up or you won't go to sleep or you lie there still looking at your phone, wondering why you're not sleeping. You're exposed to so much. You need that darkness, otherwise you won't sleep.
1: Crazy. I think I'd love to dive into that a little bit more, but just yep. a quick summary for the people at home, just so we're all on the same page. So we've got this biological clock called our circadian rhythm and this responds to... Different stimuluses based on our day-to-day life, but from a very high level, we've got our biological clock releases these hormones during the day when it's exposed to these things to let us know when it's light to wake us up during the day, adrenaline, yeah. cortisol, etc. Exactly. And then when it's coming into dark time, your body releases these hormones, melatonin, to calm us down and get us into this restful state. So Great our bodies are constantly working in this cycle and there's stimuluses that are based off in our everyday life that impair the body's ability to do that.
0: Correct. That's absolutely spot on. Well summarized.
1: I think it's very important to constantly recap things that we're chatting about today, Roger, because it's quite, it's quite in-depth and it's quite scary to lose track because there's so many different things and we hear all the time about how important sleep is, but we don't really know how truly important it is and how, how our everyday life exposures are impairing our ability to get restful sleep.
0: And as life goes on, if you ever want to understand your own circadian clock, go camping and leave your phone in the car. Now, anybody that's been camping will be nodding now because they all know that you wake up first thing in the morning and you are wide awake and you are ready to go in the morning. right? You might not have slept on the most comfortable bed, but you are wide awake and ready to go because you've woken with natural light through your tent as you've woken up and everything's good. And have you ever noticed that when you're sitting around the campfire at night and you think, God, geez, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Then you look at your clock and it's only like eight o'clock at night. Yeah. That's your circadian rhythm. There you go. That's natural. That's your natural circadian rhythm. So if you want to learn whether what your natural chronotype is, which is your whether you're a morning lark or a night owl, or you want to learn your own circadian rhythm and see just how much life impacts on our circadian rhythm. Just go camping for a week, leave your phone in the car, and don't look at your phone at night and just go with all the natural lights, fire, fire's okay, right? Having that fire going, having everything else going and things working for you, as the stars come, you're lying there looking at the stars, what you're doing is you're triggering all of the correct hormonal responses in your body, and that's how you'll find your actual circadian rhythm.
1: Incredible. I think there is still so much to unpack, but I'd love to dive on to what we actually wanted to speak about today, which is shift work. And I think giving people a basic understanding of how that, you know, how the body works can give a greater understanding about how shift work impairs. Oh,
0: absolutely. I think that's important. You've got to understand, in particular, you've got to understand the circadian rhythm so that you understand entirely why shift work impacts so much on people, because I think you talk about mindfulness, like I know you're big on mindfulness and I think when you talk about mindfulness, having an awareness of why certain things happen is actually the first step to avoiding those things, creating you an issue so that you understand and then you're making an informed choice that I'm doing this anyway, so you're going to reap the problem that that
1: comes with. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And Roger, I hear this all the time um, in my yeah. in my industry. How'd you sleep last night? Oh, pretty shitty. Why? Oh, I was staying up late watching a movie. I was staying up late scrolling on my phone. And you notice the effects of when I get my early 6am, 5.30 clients about how dull and empty they're feeling in the morning. And they're like, oh, I'm just not a morning person. But it actually, being a morning and late person can be adapted, right? By our behavior. Over a
0: long period of time. Yeah. But we do always follow what we are. We're either a morning chronotype or or we're an early chronotype or a late chronotype. Yeah, right. Generally, whatever we were up until we're 10 years of age is what we will go back to by the time we're in our late 50s, early 60s, we go back to that. Interesting. So if we were an early type, everything's genetics, right? But I will say this to you, and this is a question for your clients and everybody that's listening. When you're sitting there watching Netflix at night, all right and you're about to start the next episode ask yourself this question would I set an alarm at 5am to get up and do this because if the answer's no get your ass into bed (laughs) go to bed because sleep is so much more important like when you when you the show finishes and you think oh I'm just going to play phones for an hour ask yourself would I set an alarm at five o'clock in the morning to get up and do this no way so you go to bed get that sleep Get that quality sleep
1: because that hour can make a huge difference to you. 100%. 100%. I love that. And, Roger, we spoke about um, screens a lot there. Mm-hmm. We also spoke about how exercise and food impairs our mm-hmm. circadian rhythm. Yep. Um, I'd like to speak to the people that are night trainers that are training, you know, late at night and mm-hmm. then going to bed late. What is, what is your advice for those sorts of people? Is it better to train late at night than not train at all? Or would you prefer someone... Well, I think
0: there's a a lot to unpack with that
1: because you can say it
0: depends. Some people respond and crave training and you wouldn't want to take that off them, right? You know, Because some people go, I don't care what time I finish, I'm training before I go to bed. But what you do have to be very mindful of is you are stimulating your circadian rhythm with that movement. But more to the point around that, what is also happening there as well is you're stimulating your central nervous system. So if you're going and training, you are putting yourself into a sympathetic state, and that is not how you're going to rest, because you won't rest in a sympathetic state at all. Right? <laughs> you, won't
1: <laughs> <rest>. <laughs> you won't rest. I've
0: got a dog giving me a kiss on the ear. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I... Um, I've made friends with a dog here. Um, anyway, so what actually happens is with a person that's working an afternoon and then they feel like they want to go to the gym to get that session in, that may be your lifeblood. That may be what's really important to you to do. And you can do that. And you've got to weigh up the health benefits for you actually doing that. But if you're feeling obligated that you have to do that, then that's a different kettle of fish altogether, And that's where you should be going straight home and going into bed. Remember, if you don't take anything away from today at all, the most important thing I ask you to take away from today is two things. Number one is to take away always in line with the biological day and biological night. No matter what your question is, always in line with the biological day and the biological night. The other thing is, if you wouldn't set an alarm at 5am to do it, go to bed. So that's the that's the other thing. So, yeah, now I would... You know, some people crave training, and I would say to them, knock yourself out and go and train. That's awesome. Go and train. Um, but other people, if they're doing it because their PT says they've got to get a session in, then that's not right. They need to go home and go to bed and sleep, get up, and train the next day.
1: Beautifully summarised, and I think it just highlights the uh, diverseness of everybody's biology and how there's never a one-size-fits-all when it comes to holistic health. So true. I, I love that answer. Hey friends, just a quick word from a sponsor of the show and then we'll get right back to it. My Euphoria Health community would know that I adopt a plant-exclusive diet, a diet that is often labelled as lacking nutrients. While majority of the essential nutrients can be attained from a plant-rich diet, there are some nutrients that need a little extra love. Lucky for us plant-based folks, Emil have formulated the essential 8 multinutrient, which features some key nutrients that plant-based eaters may fall short on. The eight key nutrients formulated in the capsule include omega-3, iodine, selenium, iron, vitamin D3, vitamin B12, calcium and zinc. Conveniently, just two capsules per day provide me with the ability to bulletproof my plant-rich diet, as well as ensuring I'm not falling short on any nutrients of focus. I personally take two capsules of essential eight every day with breakfast, which ensures I can maintain my vital bubbly self and continue to promote active living within the community. The best part about it is that Emil have taken the hassle out of the reordering process through their monthly subscription model. Essential 8 just arrives at my doorstep each month, no questions asked. To get yours head to www.emile.com forward slash euphoriahealth. That's wwweimelecom forward slash euphoriahealth. And use the code EuphoriaHealth at the checkout for an extra 5% off your first order on top of the generous subscription discount. I will also have a direct link in the show notes. All right, let's get back to it. Now, Roger, I'd love to take a little bit of a shift in the chat and talk a little bit about Night Shift in particular. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a big... um, I guess gap in education like you said before on how to prepare for night shift, what to do during night shift and what to do post night shift to get back to your normal biological clock. I'd love to talk about how you prepare for night shift and what sort of things you're doing in terms of your nutrition, your exercise routine, your habits, your caffeine, all of those things, all the way from prepping the day of night shift during your shift, then post post shift.
0: Let's step through it. So when I know I've got a night shift coming up, I'm a person who does seven nights in a row. So I start Sunday night and finish the following Sunday morning. So, And I do an eight-hour shift. So I know that I'm going to be at work from 10 o'clock at night until six o'clock in the morning. And I start Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night doing that. So there's seven nights. Now, what I do on the night of going into my first night shift is I, that's on the Sunday, is I get up early on the day that I start night shift. And there's a reason why I do that. The reason why I get up early is because remember what I said, the answer is always stay in line with your circadian rhythm as much as you can, all right? If you are a person that thinks, oh, I'm going into seven nights night shift, so what I'll do is I'll stay up as late as I can possibly stay up the night before, all you're doing is impacting yourself with an additional night of night shift. In, technically. So why would you make it eight nights instead of seven, right? So go to bed early and get up early because that's a quality night sleep that you're getting and you're banking seven or eight hours of good sleep. When you get up in the morning of that night shift that you're starting, that is your day to exercise. That's your day to go and do a solid lifting session, to go and do a solid training, go for your... your your 10, 15K run. That's the day to go and do your hit session early that day, early, right? So you've had a solid sleep, you get up, there's no excuse to not be able to train really well because you've had a good sleep. Don't think, don't start thinking, oh, but I'm starting night shift, I'm starting night shift, I'm gonna be tired. You've got to stop and put that out of your mind. So what you do is you go train and then go and do your shop, your meal preps, and what I do is I prep like my soups that I make because I don't eat overnight. I fast overnight. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but I, I fast overnight from midnight to 6am because our body just can't digest food overnight. Now people will argue it, but um, the science shows that our body's gone to sleep. So anything that you consume between midnight and 6am is just going to adipose tissue, body fat. That's it. All right. Because it's got nowhere to go. Now... I do my meal preps and get myself sorted. I'll make a soup up so that if I have to have something overnight, I can have a soup, which is a highly blitzed vegetable soup, so I'm still getting the nutrients in. Um, and I will prepare my salads or chickens or, or chili or stews or something like that that I can have around about 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, right? Now, what I would do is, because I've been up earlier that day, as I start to get towards five o'clock, six o'clock, I start to get a bit tired. Or if you're starting at 10 o'clock, you can wait until a bit later. And what I then do is I nap. Now, I've just literally released a podcast on napping and the importance of napping. Um, and science is now showing that the nap of 20 to 25 minutes is enormously beneficial because a lot of people say, oh, I can't sleep because... Actually, I'd like to talk about naps as a totally separate topic if we can. Yeah. But um, I nap, right, because... Um, Um, naps are something that's enormously beneficial because it flushes the adenosine out, which is our sleep pressure. And it gives us a chance. We wake up fresh after 20, 25 minutes. The reason why people say, oh, I can't nap because what happens is I wake up feeling like poo. And the reason why they feel like that is because they've disturbed themselves in REM sleep. So the 20 to 25 minutes is ideal. It flushes the adenosine out, but we wake up before we go into that deep wave REM sleep and we feel great, and we come out of it fairly quickly. So what I wanna do is nap, and then I get up, shower, get organized, go to work, and then I have a decent meal, which is my main meal of the day, at around about 10.30 at night, and then I don't eat again until I get home at around about 7 a.m. Just water, and I cease caffeine from midnight. I don't drink any caffeine. Sorry, shift workers, I know we live on it. But what I do do is I insist that caffeine is, it's bad for us overnight, right? Um, Females, it creates all sorts of gut issues overnight as well, particularly while they're fasting, which is essential. Um, But, you know, we can get a lot of gas and bloating and problems in our gut, but the caffeine actually creates bigger problems. And not only that, but it impacts severely on our sleep as well. So cut the caffeine and just drink water. And a shift worker needs to drink more water than a regular person, basically because majority of shift workers are more sedentary than anybody else. If you think of the roles of a lot of shift workers, they're basically sedentary. So the water really helps with a a struggling digestive tract overnight to keep things moving and keep us in good health. I then go overnight. And then as I've gone overnight, I get home and then I have protes. Now I have protein and oats mixed together. so I'll make up some oats. only not much, not much. I don't have like 80 grams of oats. I'll only have like 20, 30 grams of oats with water, put them in the microwave for about um, put them in the microwave for around about a minute and a half, stir that and then I'll put a scoop of protein powder in that. Now, the reason why I do that is because with oats, oats is a carbohydrate. Carbohydrate helps you to sleep. It's really good to help you to sleep. and protein, obviously to preserve the lean muscle mass while we sleep and also protein keeps us satiated and helps us to sleep as well so that we stay asleep so by having proats when we get home or even yogurt with protein in it but with a little bit of granola or something in it as well but we need a carbohydrate and a protein when we get home to help us to sleep so think when you go out for christmas lunch or you go for christmas Um, Dinner, or you go for Easter or you're with your family and you have a big meal all you want to do is sit on the couch and sleep that's because of the overload of carbohydrate it just makes we're full the blood rushes to our gut all we want to do is it's a food coma that's what we want when we're on night shift because we want to sleep it doesn't impact on our our weight it doesn't cause us massive weight gain or anything like that it's quite safe to have carbohydrate and protein and we're not having a massive meal and we don't want to go too big because we don't want it to impact on the quality of our sleep as well So that's pretty much giving you a 24-hour cycle. So A, up early on the day, you are starting night shift. Do a, um, go and exercise that day. Whatever your your happy place is with exercise, go and do that and do it well. Do your meal preps and get yourself ready for it. Nap for 20, 25 minutes. Get up, shower, get organized, go to work. Um, Have a good meal around about 10.30 to 11.30 at night stop the caffeine at midnight, increase your water intake overnight, have fast between midnight and 6 a.m and then have carbohydrate and protein when you get home. you'll sleep like a baby.
1: Well, it's um, contrary to everything that you hear from preparing for night shifts, you know usually you're told to sleep late in the day and then you know have caffeine overnight to keep you stimulated and whatnot and then the next day you just go straight to bed. Yeah. You know?
0: yeah. And, and we do. And, and a lot of people, because of lack of education, literally, they just um, flip their meals as well. Like they'll have breakfast at 10.30 at night. Then they'll have lunch at 3 a.m. in the morning and have dinner at 6. Nothing could be worse. Like, I mean, And I've been the victim of that too, Matt. I've done that myself. Nothing could possibly be worse for you than doing what you're doing there. And the reason being is because our system is asleep. Now, people are going to ask me, why, why would you fast overnight? Like, I'm up and about. I need energy. So surely I'll do it. You'll find that you condition your body and you don't. And ladies, if you fast between midnight and 6 a.m., I guarantee to you, you will feel so much better, particularly females with their compromised digestive tract because their digestive tract is very compromised. So you'll find that um, by fasting allows that digestive tract to actually clear out which gets rid of all that gas and bloating overnight.
1: So, so interesting. And I've got a question regarding exercise throughout your night shift. So for you who does seven days of night shift straight, yep. would you then exercise while you are on uh, a bout of
0: night shifts? No, no, I don't, I don't. But then I'm, I'm – um, I, I think it's a good week to deload. If you know you've got a week – if you're a PT and you're listening to this and you've got clients that are on um, night shift – It's a good week to time a deload week. So if a person is a lifter and they want to lift, three sessions is more than enough during your week just to stimulate the muscle. But what I do do is I focus on that walk and get that walk in, you know, so that people can get out because our body is very stressed on night shift because it's all totally out of sync. Go back to the music scenario with the conductor. Everything's all being played at different tunes. So our body is very, very stressed. So what we want to be doing is we really, really want to um, make sure that we don't stress an already stressed body. So the best thing to do is just to take yourself for a walk. It's really good. Evidence shows that being vertical with forward momentum um, supports your mental health enormously, it improves mental health. So by doing that um, and just walking, you'll find that more beneficial again to have to go to the gym, pack a bag, put your gym gear on, drive to the gym, go and exercise, it's all very daunting and people tend to not do it. Whereas if I said to you, mate, just take yourself for a walk around the block for a couple of times, you find that if you put a podcast on like this one and you walk around the block once, you think, oh, that was good. I might go again. <laughs> oh, I might go again. Oh God, Roger's still banging on. I'll go again. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's where we, um, and, and the walking is, there's no downside at all to the walking at all. There's no downside.
1: Any movement is key, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any you, you, vacuuming the house, just vacuuming the house, or, 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 or um, um, putting a load of washing on and hanging it out, or, or, um, or sweeping, or, or cooking, or doing anything. It's all this is movement. We underrate it.
1: I um. That's funny you say that. I can't remember exactly where I saw this or, or read it, but it was uh. Wasn't it like a medical study or anything like that? It was three people individually that were doing a a trial based on um, the amount of weight or calories burnt. I think during a session, one person did one dedicated exercise session for 45 minutes and then sat down for the rest of the day. Another person did um, housework for four or five hours throughout the day and the other person just walked aiming to get their 10,000 steps. And Housework. Housework. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100% the housework. It's neat. the most calories throughout the day. It's interesting because our society thinks that you do a 45-minute session for the day and then you sit down for 15 hours. It's like it doesn't balance out. When we had the pandemic,
0: right, when we had the pandemic, what did we all panic about? We couldn't get to the gym. I'm getting fat. I can't get to the gym. Uh, And it doesn't work like that. People would be absolutely horrified to learn that when you go to the gym, even doing a solid lifting session in the gym, you only burn about 200 to 300 calories maximum. That's it. Even if you're sweating and you're in the gym, in an hour I'm talking, like if you're you're in a gym for 45 minutes to an hour, the calorie burn in that time is literally only around about uh, two, somewhere between 200 and 300 calories, that's it. Now, that's not even a donut right? You can have a donut and blow that out of the water. So if you think back to the pandemic when you couldn't go to the gym and what you were smashing in food while you were sitting there watching Netflix, it's no wonder people put weight on, right? That's the problem. But if you had a, I'm not saying you want to clean your house every day, but think of all the people that actually went through a declutter stage and cleaned out their houses and literally did do that housework. They burnt more because that's what you call your NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, right? Which it, it contributes to so many calories every single day and the walk contributes and it's so much more beneficial. The walk is going to be so much more beneficial. You go for a walk for an hour, hour and a half, right? And I'm not saying, you know, I don't want people to think you've got to go for an hour and a half, but if you were to go for a walk for three quarters of an hour and then later on in the day went for a walk for half an hour, you've probably burnt more calories than the person that went to the gym that day doing a lifting session, not a not a, not a hit session or something like that, but, you know... It's that's the reality of it. We don't burn anywhere near as much in the gym in lifting than we think we do.
1: Yeah, and that's talking from just a weight weight loss point of view, obviously there's a whole array of different benefits from actually physically training weightlifting, um, obviously increasing bone density and things like that from oh, yeah. an exercise point of view. But we're specifically talking from a, a weight loss point of view. And I think that the basics, the fundamentals, like achieving your 10,000 steps per day is an absolute non-negotiable if you've got any weight loss orientated goals, because, you know, it doesn't even matter if you're going to the gym two times a week, but then not moving at all. If you're going to walk and get your 10,000 steps in seven days per week, you look at the balance per there, uh, the balance that shifts more towards the person that's exercising seven days yeah. per week. As The bottom to line two. is,
0: it all comes down to energy balance. End of story. So the fact that you can't go to the gym, boo-hoo. Do you know what I mean? Like, And as you've quite rightly pointed out as well, super important for our health, resistance training. Super. And I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing resistance training, but if people are in a situation where they want fat loss... If they have a big boo-hoo because they can't get to the gym, that's not the be all and the end all. Like resistance training increases our, our insulin sensitivity. It also increases our bone density, maintains our lean muscle mass, looks after our post- looks after so much and mental health and things like that. But if you're wanting fat loss, eight to ten thousand steps a day is more than enough. And you've got to be in a position where you can continually manipulate that as well. You know, like, you need to be able to increase that or reduce that depending on whether you're going to a fat loss or a build phase as well. So everything's got to be factored into it.
1: Yeah, 110%. I'm um, not really sure how we got into that conversation, but I I love it. I think it paints a beautiful picture. Now, Rog, I, or both you and I, um, extended some questions out to the community, and I got an overwhelming response, and I know you got a few questions. Awesome as well. So I think it's a great point in the conversation to dive on that because a lot of these questions are highlighting things that we've already spoken about and bringing up some new topics. So I think from the first question here, and it's it's a nice little segue on getting your sleep routine back to normal post night shift. So say you've done your seven days, like you said before, how, how are you getting your sleep routine back to quote unquote normal?
0: Yeah, really important that you get into night shift as quickly as you can, And at the other end, that you get out of night shift as quickly as you can. A lot of people will tell me they feel bloody awful at the end of their night shift. And that's right. You do, because you are totally out of sync with your circadian rhythm. So the secret is, and people are going to absolutely hate me for this, it's not to stay up all day, all right? The the secret is to get straight home, have your protein and carbs, go to sleep, but set an alarm on a 90 minute cycles. So it's either three hours or four and a half hours. Now, no one's going to set it for three, but they might. But if you wake up at three, get straight up. Don't don't lie there and lounge around because that's making it worse. Soon as you wake up, get up, open the blinds, go and have caffeine, strip the bed. That's what I do. I get straight up. I strip the bed and Put it in the washing machine because everybody loves climbing into clean sheets, don't they? Like it, it's a simple thing, but it's a holistic approach to what you're doing. So if you were to, at three hours of sleep, thinking, "No, no, I haven't had enough sleep," yes, you have. You have. You've actually had enough sleep at that stage. Get up, open the blinds, strip the bed so you're not tempted to get back into it. So it's gone. Right? Throw the sheets in the washing machine. Get those washing. Get your coffee. Go outside with your coffee, expose yourself to the blue light. You'll start telling your body because your body will be going, well, it's light. Hang on. We should be awake. This is what we should be doing. We should be awake. So it suppresses those sleep hormones. Take yourself for a walk. This is not the day to go and run a marathon. This is not the day to go and do a an f 45 session when you first wake up. It's not the day to go and do a really heavy lifting session. By all means, go to the gym and do yourself a lifting session. Go and do a walk go for a light run, go and do all that because the key is to stay awake the whole day until it starts getting dark and then start going into that dark cycle to get yourself back in line with that. Remember, the answer is always daytime or nighttime. And that's the answer to that. So you do need that sleep. It's important. But having that sleep in those 90 minute cycles We naturally come almost out of sleep every 90 minutes because we go through different stages of sleep every 90 minutes. So if you wake yourself up at four and a half hours or three hours, or if you've naturally woken up, don't roll over and go back to sleep, get straight up because your body has woken anyway. So it's the perfect time for you to get up. But if you've set an alarm, set your alarm for three hours or four and a half hours, get up and get moving. Get out in that light, strip the bed, get into those clean sheets at 9.30 at night, 9 o'clock, 9.30, and have a good sleep that night in the dark time, back in line with when your circadian rhythm should be catching up to putting you back in sync with your natural biological clock.
1: Yeah, that's that's wild to think about how much our sleep routine can impact our ability to get back into normal routine. It's it's unbelievable. I'm um, I'm definitely going to pass that one on to a few of my shift working clients. I think they'll find great value in that. Now, Roger, another question we had was why do our cravings and appetite change post night shift? And I think this can be related to someone that, you know, is jet lag, they're craving more like faster foods, people that have had a poor night's sleep the night before, they're craving more carbohydrate-rich foods. Why is this the case?
0: Right. One of the biggest problems that we have, and we've got to understand the hormone releases of ghrelin and leptin as well, which is really important. Now- Leptin is when we're full and we feel quite satisfied, we feel quite comfortable. Now, if there's one thing that does occur is when we are fatigued and seriously fatigued, what actually tends to happen is our ghrelin is elevated and ghrelin is our hunger hormone. So if you think of it as the grumbling tummy, it comes from our stomach, it's a grumbling tummy uh, hormone. So what happens is, it sends signals to us to find food ASAP. And what are we looking for? Because we're looking for energy, we're looking for glucose. Where does glucose come from? It comes from carbohydrate. And we also love our carbohydrates and fats, highly palatable because it's delicious. That's where we want easy food, quick food, highly palatable carbohydrates and fats. So that's where we tend to smash the foods like that but they're the ones that are doing us the most damage because they're so calorie dense as well. So be mindful that it's ghrelin that is sent. When you are tired, you ever notice when you've been out at night and you've had a a real late one and you wake up in the morning and you are just hungry all day and you can't not be hungry. You're just hungry, hungry, hungry. That is the ghrelin. It's just a signal trying to trick you to get more glucose through your system. So if you are mindful of that and go, no, no, you're not tricking me, it's, this is just a, a hormone that's signaling, just stick with your protein, stick with your high protein high, um, uh, high protein and carbohydrates during the day, and you'll have the energy that you need.
1: Wow, interesting, and um, definitely relatable for anyone that is on night shift, anyone that has had a poor night's sleep. I think that's great. Another question I had was what was the number one thing you wish you knew before starting your first night shift? Uh, If I look back now, without
0: any doubt whatsoever, the education that I wish I had was the benefit of the night shift fast between midnight and 6 a.m., without any doubt whatsoever, because of the impact that eating at that time has on your health. Great
1: response. To nap or not to nap? Nap is a definite yes. I think we highlighted that earlier in the we podcast. Did, we
0: certainly did. 20 to 25 minutes is really good. Sleep inertia comes in after that. Sleep inertia is that feeling of grogginess when we can make really, really poor decisions, like really poor decisions. Um, and that's when you can drive through red lights or drive, You know, when we're driving cars, we can't remember where we've been or what we've done. So we've got to be very careful. But if we nap for anything less than 30 minutes, then what happens is we end up Um, just waking up and waking up really well. And if someone wants to have a listen, they can go and have have a look on my Instagram. I've got about the caffeine power nap there because the caffeine power nap is really interesting for shift workers. It's also really interesting for people that work split shifts like PTs for argument's sake because PTs have to get up early in the morning. PTs have to get up very early in the morning, go and train and then they have the rest during the day, don't they? And then they've got to go back and train people again. So it can be difficult to go right through the whole day. And we tend to sleep. But a caffeine power nap, caffeine takes 20 to 25 minutes to get to the um, receptors in the brain, the adenosine receptor in the brain. So if you were to nap for 20 to 25 minutes, so you scull down a a couple of shots of coffee, lie down, sleep. In the first 20 minutes, the adenosine's flushed out of our brain. The adenosine is our sleep pressure that causes us to need to sleep. That gets flushed out. And in the meantime, that caffeine, that beautiful caffeine is making its way to those adenosine receptors. It blocks the adenosine receptor. And therefore, we wake up absolutely full of beans 20 minutes later. I'm telling you, the Caffeine Power Nap is amazing. Google it. It works really well, especially for shift workers that don't have the time.
1: Never heard of that before in my life. Caffeine it. In, that. That's incredible. I love that. Well um definitely see that. I think it's important to know if you're sensitive to caffeine and you don't usually have it, it's not a great idea to incorporate that into your routine just because of this, is it?
0: <laughs> well no, but you can still just nap. Yeah, you know, definitely. you can still just nap for
1: twenty to twenty-five minutes. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Emil, a health and wellness company backed by science to help you become the most vital version of you. Greens powders can often be clunky, grainy, hard to digest and can leave you feeling bloated. Luckily for you, Emil alongside leading scientists and expert formulators have designed Shine Greens. Shine Greens is a perfectly curated blend of over 60 nutrients which can support digestion, reduce bloating, improve vitality and support your overall health and wellbeing by assisting the body's natural detoxification process. I personally take Shine Greens daily. Just one sachet in my daily smoothie leaves me feeling energised enough to continue to do the job that I love the most, which is promote health and active living to my community through the power of movement. To get yours, head to wwwemilecom forward slash euphoriahealth and click on Shine Greens. That's www.eimel.com forward slash Y O U, the number four I A health, and use the code Euphoria Health at the checkout for a nice little discount. It's important to note that any modifications to your diet and lifestyle should be done so under the guidance of your healthcare practitioner. All right, now let's get back to the show so this one's from sarah is there any research to to suggest that either males or females feel the effects of night shifts more oh there is
0: absolutely tons of research sit down brace yourself here we go females without any doubt whatsoever suffer a lot more from shift work and night shift in particular than males do and i'm just going to break this down because i'd really like to do a podcast with you literally just on this because it's a very big topic Um, But the thing is, females have a compromised digestive tract to start off with. So the first thing that they have is they have a stomach that is less acidic and it also empties, Its gastric emptying is a lot slower than the male. Food takes a lot longer, up to 14 hours longer to go through the um, digestive tract than a male. They also have a longer colon. And the colon empties slower than it does on a male as well. And if you look at where a male's reproductive organs are, a male's reproductive organs are external, a female's reproductive organs are internal. Now, the internal reproductive organs in a female, if you look at where their colon is, is literally wrapped around their uterus and their ovaries. So it's no wonder that females that eat overnight and have food in their digestive tract or in their colon overnight, if you are in the luteal phase of your cycle, which is the final two weeks before menstruation, you are in a severe world of hurt because you've got agitated uterus and ovaries. You've also got an agitated colon and they're all packed into the same area. So females do suffer worse from night shift and this is what causes the gas, the bloating and the pain. Pain is a symptom... Of a cause, and the cause can literally be that you've got a compromised digestive tract there. And this is why I say to fast overnight. And clients that I've got that fast overnight between midnight and 6 a.m. and drink more water takes all of that gas and bloating away from them and saves them. So, ladies, if you can fast from midnight to 6 a.m., fast from midnight to 6 a.m. and give your digestive tract your poor uterus and ovaries. and your colon a nice rest overnight um, because that makes a massive difference. So yeah, there is. So when you're looking around the room and you think you're suffering more than your male counterparts, you absolutely are.
1: Us blokes have it so much easier. It's <laughs> it's almost laughable. It's so- We do. Yeah, it's, yeah we it's absolutely really, It's really difficult, you know. Um, we can dive into a whole different array of different things about training on your cycle and um, how females (laughs) have it a lot harder than males in in certain things. And I think there's so much merit to that. So, wow, I'm, um, I'm shocked. I've got one from Sally training straight after night shift. Yes or no? I think we spoke about this earlier in the podcast.
0: Straight after night shift is the time to go straight home and go straight to bed and get that quality sleep straight away because you are not getting any benefit at all from training at that time because your body is already stressed. It's already got its stress response. So by you training, you are not cashing in on those adaptations at all. Cortisol is high. We've got all sorts of problems. Go home, get the sleep, enjoy the sleep, get up, and if you feel like it, then train or have yourself a break.
1: Well said. Uh, we've got Ben here. Best products to have for night shift workers. I'm not really sure as to what products he's referring to, but maybe... Mm.
0: P- products, I- I'm not big on supplementation. Um, I-, I have a few supplements that I-, I swear by, but I will say this, that there is limited evidence or there's some evidence around I use ashwagandha um, and I find Ashwagandha's excellent. And I think a lot of people in society today should be on ashwagandha for stress and also for sleep. I can't explain what ashwagandha does in, I can't, it's hard to put into words, but it just levels you out during the day, and it certainly helps with your deeper sleep. Now, before you rush out and you go and just buy ashwagandha from Chemist Warehouse or something like that, it's got to be a certified ashwagandha, and it's got to be what I call, have a look on the label to make sure that it's got certification for KSM 66. KSM 66 certifies that it's all root, and by being all root, um, it helps enormously Because majority of ashwagandha that you find in in supermarkets or in chemist warehouses just crushed up leaves as well as root. So it's not the certified quality. The research quality of ashwagandha is just the root. It's got KSM 66 on it. If people go to my bio, I've got a link to the Jarrow ashwagandha, which is the certified, what they used to um, do the research on and it's in 300 milligram capsules one morning and one about an hour before you go to bed and it's game changing. It literally changes and levels you out, calms you down. If you're a stressed person, it calms you down. It's very, very good. Um, The other thing that I suggest that um, shift workers do as well is uh, magnesium bisglycinate magnesium bisglycinate a lot of people ask me what type of magnesium to take but I certainly take magnesium bisglycinate and I take one in the morning one at night uh, sorry two at night um, which is I believe I have to go back and have a look but I've been taking it that long I think it's about 200 milligrams that I take at night Um, so magnesium is very good to calm your muscles calm you down and help you to sleep so that's very very good Um, what else is there? Everyone, particularly shift workers, should absolutely be on vitamin D. Everyone should be on vitamin D full stop. And we should all be taking in the order of around 2,000 IU of vitamin D every single day. Vitamin D has shown enormous benefit in relation to bone strength, um, mental health, anxiety, stress. It's no secret that in the summer we feel so much better and stronger. It's because we're synthesising more vitamin D but through the winter particularly here in melbourne like we're not getting any vitamin d at the moment at all like unless the sun's out but people need to understand as well that just because the sun's out you're not synthesizing vitamin d as well and that's a whole topic in itself but we need vitamin d it's integral and we can only we can't get enough of it from food we need to get majority of our vitamin d supplemented or from the sun so I highly recommend that people take 2000 IU of vitamin D. And the other thing that we need to be taking as well is omega-3s or fish oil, or if you are vegan or vegetarian, you can take algae oil as well, cause we need that EPA, DHO. Um, it's really, really important that we get those omega-3s into our system. So important for our cardiovascular health, helps with cholesterol control, helps with all sorts of things. So just recapping that, fish oil, Definitely, about 1,000 milligrams a day. The other one is uh, vitamin D, 2,000 IU a day. Everyone should be on that. Doesn't matter whether you're a shift worker or not, everyone should be. Um, I recommend to shift workers to also take a quality zinc um, picolinate, which helps with immune support, um, magnesium bisglycinate to help with sleep, and ashwagandha to help with uh, levelling you out and coping with stress as well.
1: Hopefully that's the product you're talking about, Ben. We've got a question from Helen. Can protein go to waste if you eat too much in one sitting?
0: No. Our body, if you've got two healthy kidneys, our body will process all protein that we consume.
1: Kate asked how to to stop snacking.
0: Yeah, one of the biggest keys to stop snacking is mindful eating when we eat We need to make sure that we increase our protein when we are actually eating. So protein is the key for satiety. So the higher our protein is, then the more satiated. So the more we feel full during the day. When I look at people's food diaries, when they first come to me, one of the things that I notice more than anything else is how low their protein intake is, but they can't stop snacking. And when they do snack, they snack again on these highly palatable carbohydrates and fats, which are very calorically dense. So increasing your protein and having a quality protein snack will actually help you through that. So instead of snacking on chips and and once again, um, not knowing about how to stop snacking, this could be a person on night shift as well. Um, And snacking overnight be mindful of that ghrelin that it's ghrelin tricking you because you're tired it's ghrelin tricking you into searching for carbohydrates one thing that i did want to highlight about this with snacking overnight i don't want people fasting at the detriment of overeating when they get home because they're starving because it's important that people don't go too long without eating properly we need to eat properly so If you are a person that can't fast to start off with between midnight and 6 a.m., before you get to that, I'm going to eat everything inside at 5 a.m., at around about 4 a.m., have yourself something like some Yopro and berries, something that's really easy to digest, or even just those little cheese and crackers. You know, you get little sample packs of cheese and crackers, um, or a Baby Bell cheese, have a Baby Bell cheese, or a little bit of Greek yogurt with some protein powder in it. What we're looking for here is something that is just slips through the system really, really easily that the body doesn't have to digest and isn't high in calories. Um, And do that to stop yourself from getting home and then overeating because you've starved yourself. We must avoid that.
1: Lauren finishes work at 9.30 and starts at 7.30. And she asked how to not feel rubbish when working late early. I think this question comes a lot.
0: It comes to me all the time, this question, and because it comes to me all the time, I've actually done a podcast on this myself. So it's 14 quality minutes because I just did a quick grab on this one for people so that they understood it. Um, And what I do is what I highly suggest is before you go in for your late, prep yourself completely for your early. So get your clothes out, get your food organized, have everything out and ready. Have, you, have your clothes ready, shower, not you can't shower beforehand, but everything. So when you get home from that late, the only thing that you've got to think about is going to bed and going to sleep. because one of the worst things that we have when we get home because sorry but 9:30 finished to a 7 a.m start is hardly quick change, right? Don't get me wrong, but you're still in line with your circadian rhythm and you are so even finishing at 930 you're still fairly in line with it because you still would have had dinner at dinner time. So go home at 9.30, knowing that before you went to work that day, you got everything out, everything ready to go. Go home and just go to bed. Over time, as you continually do this, you will learn and to trust yourself that you've done what you needed to do. It's It's been done and you don't have to freak out about, have I done this? Have I got that? What am I going to take to eat? What am I going to do? So that way, when you get up and you go in the morning, all you've got to do is grab and go. Get get, get up, shower, the clothes are out, grab, go, done. Easy. So you can get maximum amount of sleep in, which is what people suffer from, the lack of sleep, from stress, worrying about whether they've had enough time, you know, whether they've got everything organized.
1: Yeah, great response there, I think like, there's starting and finishing time there's ample time between them but you, you factor in like driving if you're driving it you out oh, yeah. to work like it can you know impair that that's two hours extra that you've you have Correct. to make up on each way so it can be quite daunting um but great advice there i think getting organized and our last question from mandy what are some good pre-workout options after day shift
0: Tough one, because you can't have caffeine, because you don't want caffeine. So people understand with caffeine, caffeine's got a half-life of four to six hours in people. And just to give you an idea, a can of Coke, of Coke Zero, actually has 40 milligrams of caffeine in it. So if you were to drink that, even having a can of Coke Zero with 40 milligrams of caffeine, six hours later, there's still 20 milligrams of caffeine in it. So if you were to have a pre-workout um and that pre-workout had let's just say 80 to 100 milligrams of caffeine you're still going to have that caffeine in your system or 50 milligrams of that caffeine in your system six hours later so if you think you're working a day shift and you're finishing at three o'clock and then you go to the gym have your pre-workout on the way at four o'clock you've got half of that 100 milligrams of caffeine still in your system at 10 o'clock at night that's a long way less than ideal but Once again, not too bad, but you wouldn't want to be slamming down a monster at 200 milligrams of caffeine and then trying to go to bed later on. The simple answer to that is no caffeine. Just tough it out. Do the best you can because there's nothing nothing in a pre-workout that has any benefit at all except for caffeine. It's caffeine is it. We all want that face tingle. We all want everything else, but there's no benefit in any of it other than the caffeine and that's what you've got to avoid.
1: I think I... Get asked this question a lot about pre-workout options. We can hear Buddy snoring in the background. So sorry, guys. (laughs) He's been a disruptor this podcast. Bless him. Yeah, I get this question a lot regarding what are some things that I can do to, you know, get quote unquote G'd up for the gym. And I just say simply, move. G yourself up. Start doing it. Yeah. That's the easiest way. And I live by this philosophy. It's a 10, 15 minute rule. And I... I make this commitment yeah. to myself even when I don't want to exercise to allocate 10 minutes. And if after 10 minutes, which nine times out of 10, I'm feeling good, yep. I'll continue to go. If, after, if that one time out of 10 that I don't, I'll stop there and still have 15 minutes in the bank. So
0: yeah. just move. Name how many workouts you regretted that you yeah. did. None. So just start. Yeah, that's right. And I think the 10-minute rule is good because you know damn well. And everybody that exercises knows damn well that within 10 to 15 minutes you're going. G yourself up. I'm going in. I'm going to smash this. I'm going to do this, because let's be honest. Don't get me wrong here, but if you need caffeine, if you need caffeine, I mean caffeine's a supplement, right? So, but if you need caffeine to get going, then something wrong there anyway. Um, but if you want the face tingles and everything else, like you know, it's it's alanine that's doing that, and it's it's honestly it's just. It's just giving you a face tingle. That's all it's doing. It's Beta alanine needs to be loaded over a long period of time and taken every single day. So there's, there's no benefit to it if you're just having it when you have your pre-workout. So that face tingle that you're actually getting, big deal. And, you know, some have got arginine in it. And if you're someone who's susceptible to um, cold sores and things like that, the arginine actually enhances that, brings that on. So that might be an answer for some people as well. There's nothing really. It's just flavoured caffeine. That's all a pre-workout is flavoured caffeine.
1: That's all from a community questions front, Rog. Thank you so much for coming on the show this week and sharing your wisdom around night shift. It has been great to pick your brain and provide some insight into not only how to survive night shift, but to thrive as well. So thank you so much for your time.
0: Yeah, you're more than welcome. Um, All I want to do is help shift workers. That's all I want to do. And if there's anything that I've said, or if anyone's got anything that resonated with them in what I've actually said here today, or they would like further detail or evidence or anything like that in relation to it, I'm an evidence-based practitioner and I will back it up with research. So what I would say is go to my Instagram, which is a underscore healthy underscore shift. By all means, DM me, follow along. There's a lot of reels and uh, things there that will help people um, just with simple strategies that they can uh, move forward with shift work or to work around shift work for. Um, Or I've got my website there, which is ahealthyshift.com. People can find me there as well. Read up on my history, where I've come from. Um, I apply my history of 38 years of shift work with what I've learned in relation to nutrition to help people moving forward. And it's gaining a lot of traction because There is no help for people.
1: Took the words out of my mouth, mate. I was going to ask where people can get in contact with you next. And I definitely think that there is a big gap in the work that you're doing and you're servicing a lot of people. So my hat's off to you, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week. I hope you got as much out of today's episode as I did. As usual, let us know that you're listening by screenshotting the cover of the podcast and tagging Euphoria Health in on socials. Don't forget to subscribe to the Euphoria Health podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a nice little review if you're loving the show. Stay happy and stay healthy, and let's get moving. I'll speak to you guys next week. The information found on euphoriahealth.com or any of its media platforms is intended for educational purposes only. Any statements made on these platforms are not intended to diagnose, cure, treat or prevent any disease or illness. Please consult with your medical practitioner before making any changes to your current diet and lifestyle.